Welcome to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Curtis Birch, host and producer on News Radio 630, WLAP, the home of the Cats, right here in Lexington. And I'm Kyle Tucker of The Athletic here at the Charlotte Airport, so you're probably <laughs> going to hear uh, people boarding planes, but uh, Curtis and I together are here every day, Monday through Friday, talking to Cats. If it is a big deal to the Big Blue Nation, you can hear it right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, usually without airport background noise. Uh, it's it's ambiance. You know, It's we got to get the, this out to the people, and you're flying home today, Kyle, so I uh, figured you we'd catch you while you're on your layover in Charlotte and make sure that the people hear what we have to say about Kentucky's loss to Alabama. This edition of the show is brought to you by Buffalo Trace Distillery. We'll tell you more about them in just a minute. Uh, We're going to talk about how I think uh, they make the comeback. Reed Travis, Tyler Hero kind of having an off off game. Uh, We'll wrap there with a couple kind of off basketball topics, specifically a former UK football assistant getting a big-time job. And then Kyle and I will make fun of a guy who did a really, really dumb tweet on the internet. Um, But let's start off, Kyle, uh, the back end of it. Uh, the the fever comeback where Kentucky was able to have a shot in the air that would have given them the win, even though they were down 11, and it looked like there was no chance they were going to come back. Yeah, they were they were down 11, creeping towards two minutes. I think the the first shot of the comeback came with two minutes and 18 seconds to go in the game. Uh, they hit a three to get within eight, and then it was they, I think over the last two minutes and 18 seconds they outscored Alabama 14 to four. Uh, and like you said, they got the ball back with like 4.3 seconds left and had a chance. Uh, Ashton Hagens drove it down and shoveled it to Tyler Hero at the top of the key, and he got off a you know a pretty good look. Just about all you could ask for, I guess, in that situation. Uh, other than uh, I, one thing, I guess I'm curious about is why why not just have Ashton Hagens drive and attack and uh, try to lay it in or, or get fouled, you know, when you're down two. But uh, you know, they had a shot, and, and I think you know of the. Of all the negative from that game, the overwhelming positive is the fact that they did not lay down when, I mean, I think most teams would pretty much call it quits with two and a half minutes to go and you're down 11 on the road and and it's gone as poorly as it's gone. So, um, you know, it's big that they were able to make some huge defensive plays. Ashton Hagens, again, was really, really good defensively. Um, That a couple guys hit some big shots to get them back into the thing. Um, You know, all the way around. The end of the game was certainly, I think, encouraging. Uh, but some some red flags, I think, popped up um, in the preceding 38 minutes of that game. Yeah, and uh, my, my kind of thought on that maybe, and obviously I don't know if this is exactly their thinking, but you know, it is kind of some somewhat of an idea is you go for the win when you're on the road because you don't want to go into overtime on someone else's home court because they'd have the advantage. Um, but also, you know, all the energy that was expended on that comeback, maybe Kentucky's legs would have been wobbly. So I don't really necessarily have a, have a pl- problem with the three. Um, and I don't think it sounded like you did had a, had a big one either. But that does kind of lead us into, into the Tyler Hero. Um, and I, I had some tweet on the Locked On UK Twitter account and asked for some people to give us their takes about the games. And one was um, Dayton Sr. tweeted and said, I think we will win our share of games. What bothers me is our inconsistent shooting. Hero plays hard, but when he's off, he's off. Uh, and, you know, that he, I mean, he came back to earth, Kyle. Uh, he had just an amazing game at Louisville, but he goes this game four for 12, two for three from deep. Um, and, uh, you know, he's streaky. Two for six. Two for six. Two for six from, six from yeah, deep. two for yep. six from deep. So... I mean, he's streaky, but they need him. They they can't like 
not have him take shots, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, he hit his first three of the game. Uh, and then he hit, I believe he hit one uh, during that run uh, yeah. to keep them keep them in it. Um, so it wasn't like he was, uh, you know, useless. He had a tw- he had twelve points, um, but yeah, it was it was it was not um, it was certainly a far cry from the Louisville game. Um, I think part of it is they 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 had a guy on him who was just harassing him all day. Um, you know, and that's going to happen. I think some of that was a sign of respect um, from what he did in the last game and how he kind of heated up in the previous couple. Um, I know we're going to talk more about it later in the week, but I think that's one of the reasons, one of the questions I had from the end of that game was where did, you know, Keldon Johnson go? He went uh, nine minutes without taking a shot. And during that time, the lead, the deficit grew from three to 11. Yeah. Um, and then he doesn't get, you know, the play's not drawn up for him at the end. I think to me, He's your big shot guy, and I know. I know. Like I said, we're gonna. I think spend a whole episode talking about that. Yeah, well, we're definitely. Week. Yeah, we're definitely gonna do like a, a bigger kind of thing on that because, um, you know, that that's a question I think a, a lot of people had. Um, but you know, speaking of a guy who did have a, a big shooting night, and it was mainly in the first half. Uh, Mac for Alabama had twenty points in the first half, Kyle. And it, my question is this: like, you know, people talk about uh, beer muscles. That's John Calipari's word. Kentucky fans say there's always somebody that goes crazy on us, and to a certain extent, that's true. But I mean, a lot of his shots were open, and Calipari admitted as much after the game. They weren't playing quality defense. Yeah, and some of that may have just been. I mean, you know, a lot of that time they didn't stick Ashton Higgins on him. They didn't. I don't think they like. I don't think he was on the scouting report as a guy who could light him up. Um, I mean, he hits he hit his first six three pointers in the game. He had made eight total in the previous six games. Um, so this is not a guy. I mean, his his season high was twenty points, and he had twenty in the first half. Um, now this is people say some random guy. He was a top fifty recruit. Yeah. He was at Texas. I think he had twenty seven in a game at Texas. I mean, he, he's played well in his college career he's not a nobody from nowhere um but he hadn't done anything like that at all in his in his college career he had not had a, a half where he scored 20 points and hit all six of his threes now in the second half he missed both his threes and uh scored two points uh so they did a much better job on him after halftime and also he just came back down to earth um but but you do see that happen a lot and i think you know some people will dismiss it or say it's a cliche or it's a, an excuse. Um, but there's just no question that crowds are different because of Kentucky coming to town. People really want to beat Kentucky, so the crowds are louder and crazier. I was surprised. It wasn't full, but it was by the time the game tipped off, it was not far from it, and it was really loud. Um, and then players, you know, like I said, this guy isn't a nobody. You know, Mac is a guy who considered himself, I would guess, if he's a top 50 recruit coming out of high school and he goes to Texas, he's a guy who thinks he can play yeah. in the NBA. Uh, probably not, but, you know, he's a, probably a person who has spent a lot of his basketball career believing that, and here he is playing against a bunch of, you know, five-star NBA guys. This is his chance to prove something, and, and I think, you know, for better or worse, you play better when you're playing harder, and, and nobody plays harder than when they play Kentucky. So there's definitely something to it. Um, I don't think you can deny it when you look at some of this, even the anecdotal evidence, but really just in the results. Um, and that's a thing, too, that I think as much as as well as Kentucky had played, and they do have a couple older guys, I, I think it's a thing that the young guys still don't really know yet. Because, 
Louisville, I guess, probably started out hostile, but I don't remember it being super loud because Kentucky controlled that game really throughout. Um, but when when you get on the road and then the team plays well or a guy starts going off like that, it becomes a Thunderdome in there. Uh, even with far fewer fans, it was louder at Alabama most of the day than it was a lot of the times at Louisville. And so, um, you know, and I don't think you just, I don't think you, you also get the sort of the total picture of like, uh, it's going to be that way everywhere you go until yeah. you go there, That's... go to those places three or four times and realize like, okay, every single time we leave Lexington, this is what's going to be waiting for us. Uh, you just, you can tell them that all you want. But every year, there's a four or five new guys that have to find it out for themselves. Yeah, and I think that's fair. And, you know, I mean, um, from a larger standpoint, I don't think it's crazy that they lost that game in the standpoint that, you know, it's the first SEC road game and there's been stats that are thrown out. You know, Calipari loses those every once in a while, and that's what happens uh, when you have a young team. The final thing on Mac, um, and then uh, we'll get into our next segment. I just, the, the overall arching thing I did want to say is that. You know, guys can be up for a game and all those things, but if you guard them a little bit better than they were guarding Mac in the first half, um, it's it's tougher for him to get on a, a roll like that. And once he's on a roll, you need to kind of identify it a little bit earlier, and that's tough to do with young guys. Um, but they did in the second half, and they completely slowed him down. Um, coming up next, we are going to be talking Reed Travis. Had an off night. He's human, guys. And a little bit more about Ashton Hagen's defense. But first, I did want to tell you guys about... Today's sponsor, which is Buffalo Trace. Uh, Buffalo Trace is the world's most award-winning distillery, and you can go there and see 200 years of bourbon-making history in action. You can smell the mash cooking, touch the charred oak barrels aging in century-old warehouses, hear the tales of bourbon legends like Taylor, Blanton, Weller, and Lee, and taste award-winning spirits at America's oldest continually operating distillery. You can experience a tour for every taste, Buffalo Distillery offers six unique complimentary tours seven days a week, year-round. Visit the world's bourbon destination, Buffalo Trace Distillery. To learn more about the distillery's history and spirits, visit buffalotracedistillery.com. And right now, we've got an offer for you guys. If you mention that you heard about Buffalo Trace Distillery on the Locked On Kentucky podcast, you can get a 10% off merchandise at the gifts shop. So mention Locked On Kentucky when you get some merchandise at Buffalo Trace Distillery. This is Locked On Kentucky, your team every day. I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before. Uh, The team calls Reed Travis Thanos, a la the Avengers supervillain who is unhuman and has all the power in the world. But he showed that he was human, actually, and is could make mistakes in the second half of the Bama game. Yeah, that was, uh, I think, by far his worst half of the year. Um, he had, I think, two points, one rebound, one for five shooting. He had two offensive fouls uh, early and then uh, a, a bad turnover late. Uh, during that run, you know, they ended up losing by two points, and right in the middle of the run they made, they gave up two points by uh, I think Hagan's got him the ball, but he got he got a ball right under the basket that he should have just dunked, and instead he tried to gather himself and he traveled, and uh, so that was his third turnover of the half. He just he did not play well at all. He kind of carried him early, he had ten points and four yeah. rebounds in the first half, and was one of the steadying influences, one of the reasons they were up by two at half. Um, but the second half was just bad, <laughs> very bad for him. I don't think you can sugarcoat it. There was almost nothing that went right for him. I think he did maybe have a steal in there somewhere. Well, but. 
And, um, and he ended up getting was it was it two shots or I know one shot was it was blocked violently by uh, Petty when it looked like Travis was going to have a dunk, but it, it got rejected. And you know, uh, and after the game, that's what Calipari kind of like putting a bow on why this happened is that Reed Travis reverted uh, to gathering, and that caused the walk. That probably caused you know aided in his shot getting blocked and those kind of things, and maybe missing a couple shots. Uh, so. You know, even a veteran, quote unquote, like Reed Travis, probably hadn't seen an environment like that uh, when Kentucky came to town in Alabama. Yeah, and they've, they've, you know, they've been working with him to make him a better athlete, get him better in better shape, make him more explosive. Not, you know, not stick to the narrative that he's a below the, the rim guy, and the below the rim guy is going to gather himself and get his best shot versus, you know, catch it and spring up there and dunk it or, or lay it in. And um, Cal said, you know, I told him all the work we put in. You get in this game and you you don't trust it, and uh, you know that's one of, that's a thing that happens to everybody, whether you're young or old. If you're trying to learn a new way, if you're trying to reprogram your 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 brain and your body, your muscle memory, uh, make new habits, um, you know the typical thing that happens. And this is a, a sort of an idea Cal Perry talks about a lot, but it is factual. And he's he's repro- reprogramming guys every year, usually freshmen. Um, you know, when you're first doing that, the, the, the time, the, as soon as you get in a moment of stress, you, you typically are going to revert back to your, your, you know, more entrenched habits. And so, yeah, I think we saw that a little bit. And, you know, if he just just trusts himself, trusts the body that he's built here in the last several months, um, catch that ball and, and dunk it, um, you know, get it, go up and score, don't get it and pump fake and try to make a move. I mean, you're, that, things are going to happen. You're going to, you're going to travel. You're going to bulldoze somebody over and get an offensive foul called. You're going to hesitate and get your shot blocked by somebody who is trusting his athleticism. So, um, I think probably just a, a, a bit of a blip on the radar. Yeah. And he's been, I think what, the reason it was so jarring for Reed Travis to do that is he has been so remarkably consistent for them. For the most part, you, you know what you're going to get out of him game in and game out. Um, and this was a, a big departure from that. But, uh, you know, I think when there's only one half of the season, one one half of one game in the whole season so far where that's really happened. I mean, even he played pretty well against Duke when other guys did not, yeah. certainly offensively. Um, I don't think there's a huge reason to panic about it. Uh, one thing that is has become a talking point, and Jake actually tweeted this at us. He said that Reed and P.J. went 0 for 5 from 3. The bigs need to play down low and be bigs. A lot of people got very upset at Reed Travis's, I believe it was his second three attempt of the game. Um, But after the game, John Calipari said that he actually called that play and wanted Reed to take that shot because he knew it would be open. I will quickly quote the stat. This is what Reed Travis was shooting from three going into the game. He was at 38.5%. And right now, Reed Travis is shooting 33.3%. And that is better than both Emmanuel Quickly and Tyler Hero, percentage-wise. Um, but Kyle, the threes from the big guys, I mean, are you kind of over them at this point? Is that a bad strategy, or do you think if they're open, they should be taking them? No, I don't mind them uh, you know, within the, the flow of the offense, but I think there's, you know, there's certainly a time, you know, time and place type thing. And I don't know that when you're trying to make a comeback – um, that that's who you want taking it. And again, like we're talking about, who di- who didn't touch the ball in that time? Yeah, uh, you know, Kel- Keldon Johnson. And so, I- I'd rather he take those shots. Um, and I don't care if they are, you know, going to defend him more because they know he might take them than they would Reed Travis. Like the idea of like 
well, I want him to take the shot because I knew the other team wouldn't think he was taking the shot. Well, then have Nick Richards shoot it because <laughs> nobody's going to guard him at all. Um, you know, that's a little bit of flawed logic. Um, well, yeah, but, but you know, I mean... Two, two or three games ago, two or three games ago, while it was a small sample size, Reed Travis was shooting 50% for the season from three. But in his entire college career, he's got like 15 made threes. That's, that's really not the guy in a, in a big moment that I want taking a three-point shot. Uh, it just isn't. And I think everybody would agree with that. Um, now, if he hits it, then everybody says, great, and that's fine. But um, I don't know. I, I can name three other people that I would rather have take that shot. Well, two, and this goes to the maybe the bigger point we're going to get to later this week about Calden Johnson. Um, but in the second half, Kentucky shot 37.1% from the field. It's not they, – they, sh- they all shot terrible. The team overall shot bad in the second half. And so while maybe that wasn't a – the best shot I don't know if they were getting a ton of good shots in the second half and maybe as you said Kyle that's slightly flawed logic hey I'll get an open shot even though it might not be as high percentage just as you know maybe we can get one to go through so I, I don't know it's just a tough scenario and nothing on the offensive end was working for Kentucky let's switch to the defensive end where one guy was working really hard uh, Ashton Higgins I mean every game he just has a play it just seems like you're like, wow, that his defense is on a whole nother level. And in, in this game, he had a couple plays where he just made Alabama guards just basically dribble it out of bounds. I mean, that's like a whole nother level of intimidation on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I mean, I think there's probably three, at least three other turnovers he caused that didn't go down as steals, but, uh, you know, including one late in the game where some people think he may have fouled the guy on the inbound play, but... Um, he finishes with three steals. That's 14 steals in the last three games for him. Um, if he keeps this up, I think he's going to challenge the steals record um, held by Rajon Rondo. He's already get, tied Rajon's single game with eight a couple against North Carolina. Um, another really good game for him. He had 12 points, six assists, three rebounds, three steals, only two turnovers. Um, he was five of ten. Um, you know, he missed a couple more of those close range shots, but he he made some late. Some some quick decision um, driving shots um, that were part of that run. He, he was, I mean, to me, he was the key, you know, factor in that run. Um, yeah, I think he had, I think he had four points, three assists, and uh, a steal in the in the fourteen to four run to close the game. Uh, he had a, a one I don't think even went down as a steal where he came out of a scrum, a loose ball scrum, diving on the floor. Somehow came up with it out of a pile of bodies and flipped it out and ended up in a PJ Washington dunk. Um, you know, he's to me, he's their heart right now, and he's just gotta he's gotta really hone in. I think if I was him, I would spend all day every day shooting floaters because I think if he can get the floater going, get those little close range shots when he gets by his man, but maybe encounters some resistance at the rim, uh, finds a way to get it in the in the hole I think that makes a big difference he's starting to convert some of those driving layups and have more confidence there but Cal Perry said yesterday basically simplify it even further just driving if you have a layup taken and if you don't have a layup keep your dribble alive um, be Steve Nash he said and, and find a teammate and so um, he is just I think week after week understanding his role better playing his role better and you know he's a huge reason why they're going to have a chance all the time 
And um, so that was big. I, I thought, you know, P.J. Washington made some big plays as well. Um, some of those finishing, some of those plays on the, on the other end from Ashton Hagens. One thing I wondered about him, again, was like, where did he go for a long stretch? He ended up, he had a bunch of points late, but he ended up, I think he had nine points in the final seven minutes. Uh, so he ended up with 15. But So that means with seven minutes to go, he only had four or six points. Yeah. Um, you know, wh- where where did he go? Um, I think they're still trying to figure that part of it out. Like how, how do they go to PJ Washington without that, you know, him getting into that mindset of trying to do too much, but, but he still, to me disappears a little too often. Um, ended up with 15 points and seven rebounds and a steal. Uh, I just, I think they're going to have to where, where I think Kellen Johnson is their overall go-to guy. I think PJ needs to become, um, more of a focal point at times when they're struggling to get a bucket, just give it to PJ Washington and let him try to draw a foul or make a play, Um, you know, push his buttons and, and, you know, ignite in his mind the idea that like, okay, now we need you to take over this game um, and and see if he can deliver that. Because I I just, you know, he was a big part of that comeback too. And and until that point, I thought he had really kind of disappeared for long, long stretches of that game, which we, I feel like we say, a lot this season. Yeah, yeah, I, I tend to agree about that. Okay, um, coming up next, we are going to discuss uh, a former UK football assistant getting a head coaching job, a stupid tweet, and then uh, we will read not a few not stupid tweets that you guys sent in to the Locked On UK uh, Twitter account. You are Locked On Kentucky, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Neil Brown. Former UK offensive coordinator is now the head coach of West Virginia. I think most people saw this coming down the line. I think it's a good fit for him, and uh, I think he'll do really well in Morgantown. Yes, I think that's a great hire. Uh, you know, it's going to keep them sort of with their offensive identity, um, air raid principles, and um, keep them with an exciting offense. But I think he'll also value defense a little more, maybe than his predecessor. I think he'll certainly be a lot more connected to the community and more personable and likable uh, than Dana Holgerson. Uh, and I think he demonstrated that on his way out the door at, at Troy. Um, you know, they put out a video yesterday of him addressing. He went and addressed the crowd at the Troy basketball game and gave a real, like a three-and-a-half-minute speech about what it meant for him and his family to be there. He was there as an assistant and then came back as a head coach. So I think eight total years they spent there. He said more than he's ever spent in any one town. Um and how important that area and, and those people and those fans were to him and his family. And he got emotional talking about it and, you know, talked about how their future was uh, still bright and, and all those things. And I just, to me, it's about as classy of an exit as you can have. Yeah. Um, you know, so many of these coaches, you hear stories after the fact of, well, they left town, didn't tell any of the boosters by, didn't tell any of the fans by, didn't tell half their assistant coaches goodbye and, you know, sent a group text to all the players saying goodbye um they sort of leave in the dead of night and this is about as you know out and open and hey thank you and you know i appreciate how you've helped me get here as it gets um and i think he'll be very much missed and and respected by the troy fan base for doing that you know not to mention it helps that he won 10 games three years in a row and won three straight bowl games and won a conference title and beat uh nebraska on the road and beat lsu on the road I nearly beat Clemson the year Clemson uh, won the national championship on the road. Those, th- those memories also help people in um, Troy have a good 
feeling about him, but to leave that way, I think was about as well as you can do it, and it it says a lot about who kind of, the kind of coach West Virginia is getting. And um, so, yeah, I think he's going to be a big success there. I think they got to be really excited about it. And I think I tweeted this. I think it's also, you know. For Kentucky fans who hope that someday, if Mark Stoops leaves, that Neil Brown could succeed him and have worried like somebody else is going to snatch him up, I think this is not a bad spot to keep that dream alive because it's a really good job. It's in a Power 5 conference. It allows him to prove that he can do it at that level as a head coach, but it's not such a good job that if Kentucky came open in three years that they couldn't lure him back home to, you know, I guess I say his alma mater. He didn't graduate there, but he did play at Kentucky before transferring. And all his family, and I believe all his wife's family, are here in Kentucky. Um, you know, I think they could still very much be in the mix for him if they were looking for a coach two or three years down the road. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, you know, I hate to besmirch other towns, but I've been in been to Morgantown several times. Kyle and I shared a hotel room there once. We, we won't tell you that tale today. Um, but, yeah, Lexington is a much more livable city for a lot of reasons. Uh, finally, um, Kyle, it, you and I both uh, saw this tweet, and uh, we both made fun of it. So I just thought I would bring some idiocy um, into this podcast. It's our boy Tom, I guess, Leakins. I don't know. He hosts some kind of radio something. He's verified on Twitter, so so good for him. Um, but he was replying to Minka Mina Kimes, who works for ESPNs, and said, "Truth be told, most men watch sports to get away from women, not to engage with them. This is also a prime reason most men head for sports bar- sports bars. Face the facts." I quote tweeted and said, "I'll watch sports with your girl if you don't want to." And that goes for all you guys out there. You know, if you don't want to spend time with your lady and she enjoys sports. My DMs are open. Uh, but Kyle, if you want to kind of roll on this guy for a bit, because, I mean, that's just such idiocy. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised, but sadly I'm not surprised there's still those kind of talking points in our sports media culture out there. Yeah, yeah. I don't even want to dwell on this guy too much because that was such a ridiculous thing to say. But it's pretty amazing that that's uh, still a thing that someone would feel comfortable and confident saying out loud. And he's doubled down on it, uh, replying to people in the, uh, in, in, in comments back to them. But, uh, you know, I, I like to think that the, the larger population of men is, uh, slowly but surely becoming a little more, uh, enlightened. Uh, and, uh, you know, certainly it's all about how you choose your friends, but the people around me don't think or act or talk yes. that way. And so I'm, I'm grateful for that. And uh, we had a tweet the other day talking uh, um, about she was said she was a fifty year old in Colorado listening to podcasts. So we appreciate all the female listeners out there. A couple of tweets I asked for your guys' fire takes to tweet at Locked On UK. I think most of these are in jest, but uh, <laughs> they're kind of funny, so I'll read them. Pierce said, "Take the name Kentucky off their jerseys." Cause them boys don't want don't know what it means to wear the blue and white. Uh, Ky Cat said another ten loss season in our future. When does football start? I think that was kind of a joke in the way many people made the joke that things have been flipped on their head when you talk about Kentucky winning ten football games this season and that rarely happening. And now you know there's a loss with the basketball team right on the heels of that. So many people are already wishing that Kentucky football was back. And finally, I'll wrap with Russ tweeted in and said. It is January. Still early. Kentucky has time, and Calipari has time to get the the team back to where he thinks it could be. So until then, be tweeting us and following along at Locked On UK on Twitter. Follow Kyle at 
Kyle Tucker underscore ATH. And one thing I want to throw out there, I just thought of as you were saying that, we should go and look. I wonder when's the last time after 13 games for each of them that Kentucky football and basketball had the exact same record. We will look that up on the next one, so stay tuned for that. Best way to stay tuned is to subscribe to the podcast. However, you listen to this, please rate, review, um, and then comment. And then most importantly, share it with somebody else who would enjoy. Read all of Kyle's coverage on The Athletic. You can find me on Twitter at Curtis Birch, B-U-R-C-H. Thanks again to Buffalo Trace Distillery for sponsoring this edition of Locked on Kentucky. We'll talk to you soon. You are Locked on Kentucky. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcasts Locked on. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea. Group five, Crystal, North Dakota, 65, 66, 100.